You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Lee Wong. Hey, City Tribe. My name's Lee. I'm one of your tribe teachers, and as you've heard, or... Um, as you may not have heard, actually, we are gathering right now in the Cameo Theater. Our group of volunteers are here helping us perfect our systems and our processes so that we can get ready for your safe return and so that you can feel comfortable coming when we reopen for all the public on January 3rd next year. We look forward to having you here. And uh, if you don't yet feel comfortable with that idea, that's totally cool. It is all good. Continue to be a part of our ever-growing digital tribe via City Tribe Media on YouTube or listening to our podcast. But if you are comfortable gathering, man, we look forward to being in person with you again, January 3rd, 2021. Now, we are going to continue our series today, Check Your Emotional Gauges. And over the last eight weeks, we've explored what the scriptures teach about mental and emotional wellness. And our conversation today is particularly timely given the high tense week that we've all experienced. I know me personally, I was on pins and needles as I awaited to see how all of America would vote and who would be next eliminated from Dancing with the Stars. And thank God it wasn't Nelly. He survived another week. We'll see what happens tonight. But then if you add to that the suspense that we all felt with this 2020 U.S. presidential election, man, it was a crazy, crazy week. Am I right about that? Some of us might have been feeling like Conspiracy Charlie from uh, Always Sunny. And let me just say before I go any further, regardless of how you voted, whether it was Democrat or Republican, Libertarian, or for whatever reason, Kanye West, you are all always welcome here at City Tribe. We are not a politically leaning or politically aligning community by any means. We are united by our desire to know Jesus a lot more intimately and to know what it means to follow him. And so regardless of your political affiliation and regardless of your gender, your class, your crime, or your creed, you are welcomed here at City Tribe. It's what the open wings of our logo are all about. Now, one thing I am certain every single one of us could agree upon is that our society is in desperate need of healing. Would you agree with that? Seeing the protests and the riots all throughout this year, folks hungry for reform and reading hateful rhetoric all on social media, which has become sort of commonplace. It's very clear that our communities, I'm sure even some of your families are divided and fractured and wounded. And if we're honest, this political polarization that we've all been immersed in, whether willingly or just dragged through this year especially, it's been extremely mentally and emotionally exhausting. I personally am exhausted. I am ready to move forward. I'm tired of all the commercials. And so I can only imagine how some of you who've been victims of systemic and systematic oppression are feeling. You know, I imagine that this season has only heightened your awareness of all of the challenges that you have to face every single day of your life. And perhaps it's a, a heightened awareness of what your children and your grandchildren may experience if nothing ever changes. And so I can imagine that you're heavy-hearted and 
rightfully angry, wondering why your life matters any less than anybody else's. And perhaps for some of you, this season has exacerbated your feelings of powerlessness and perhaps some feelings of insignificance. You have, like I have, certain beliefs about how to make this world a much better place, and so you champion those ideas, and perhaps you voted according to those ideas, and maybe you're feeling like your voice wasn't heard or your vote didn't matter, and so you're a little disappointed, and perhaps you're disgruntled seeing that millions of other people just can't align with your point of view. And maybe... You're anxious about what's about to play out over the next several weeks and next several months. And as we enter into 2021, how much longer is this pandemic going to continue? You're afraid that your hard-earned life savings might be impacted by the economy and that violence might erupt in our country. And so it's clear, you and I, our families, our society, we are still so far from peace. We're heavily burdened. And we are desperately in need of mental and emotional relief. Now, what's so exciting about this very pivotal moment in our lives, in human history, is that you and I, we have a unique opportunity to determine our destiny. You and I have the opportunity to embark on a path that produces peace and that promises healing and impact in our world. Now, on the other hand, however, we could potentially move forward on a path that only perpetuates the pain that we currently feel. But not only perpetuates the pain, but it permeates all into the lives of people around us and potentially future generations. And so I hope that all of you are committed to avoiding that path. And if anything, I am committed to helping you avoid that path. And so when I see or when I hear the pain that is plaguing y'all's lives, for me, it's like that Michael Jordan meme that is so popular right now. I take it personally. And I want you to be relieved of your mental and emotional burdens. I want you to experience passion and peace for life once again. I want you, our entire tribe, to be made mentally and emotionally well. And I believe that we can step onto that correct path starting today. And so before we go any further, would you guys just join me in praying that God would bless this teaching? Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that your spirit would calm our hearts and our minds, would help us be focused, that you would eliminate whatever distractions might be going on, whether personally or that we might be considering things going on in our country, and help us be attentive to what the scriptures have to say to us. We pray that they would be piercing and they would be transformative for us all, that they would provide a sense of hope so that we can move forward on the best path possible. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, and so what are we to do? How might you and I move forward on a path in this pivotal moment that will relieve our mental and emotional burdens that will help us be made well? 
To answer that question, we're going to turn to Luke's account about Jesus. If you're following along in your own Bibles, we're going to go to the sixth section, Luke chapter six. Now, Luke was a sort of first century historian who thoroughly invested, investigated eyewitness accounts about Jesus. He interviewed countless folks who themselves had either heard Jesus's teachings or had been healed by Jesus, or they saw Jesus's resurrection. And so he put all of their testimonies in chronological order for this reason. He said, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you've been instructed concerning Jesus. Luke was saying, when everything else seems uncertain, there is one thing that you can be certain about, and it's what I've written about Jesus. I've done my thorough investigation. I've done all the work. And where we pick up in Luke's account today, Jesus had begun traveling around the eastern Mediterranean region, unpacking the Jewish scriptures, our Old Testament, and he interpreted those scriptures with such authority that it was as if he had authored them himself. And so people were amazed, and they were all astonished, and of course, countless people, wherever he went, they gathered. And so, it was what was perhaps the most curious thing about all of Jesus' teachings is his favorite reference for himself. And it was a huge deal to the suppressed and to the oppressed individuals in that region in that day. And while it was huge for them, it should actually still be huge to you and to me because the implications of that reference are huge. Jesus often referred to himself as the Son of of man. Some of y'all have heard me teach on that before. I think week three of the Better Recognized series, the Son of Man. Now, Son of Man was a title that was given to the God King that was promised in the Jewish scriptures that would set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And this king was so powerful, the prophet said that everyone would bow down to him. He'd be given glory and everybody would serve him. This is how the prophet Daniel recorded that about Jesus's power and dominion. He said his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdoms and all rulers will serve and obey him. And then all throughout his ministry, Jesus elaborated on the implications of the son of man, exactly what it meant. He went on to say the son of man has power, not just in heaven, not just in the spiritual realms, but where on earth in the physical. And then Jesus eventually said, from now on, from this moment forward, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. And so Luke was certain to record that Jesus was Son of Man because he wanted you and he wanted me to be certain of this, that your path and my path for relief and healing it isn't going to be found in any political figure, any president or political party or any policy or person for that matter, because their power is finite and temporal. It's earthly. But our path forward, our best path forward toward wellness, it starts with the everlasting son of man who is reigning in power right now. Luke said, we can be certain that Jesus has the power to make us mentally and emotionally well on this earth, in this lifetime, just like the multitudes of folks who sought him out. Luke recorded this about their experience. He said, they came to hear him 
and to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were what? Made well. And the whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out of him and healing them all. Anyone watching or listening right now wants some of that power from Jesus to be poured out unto you? Anybody at all? That's not all Luke wanted you and me to be certain of and to be encouraged by. What Luke recorded next that Jesus taught is even more encouraging for all of us. And Jesus communicated a concept to his audience that they would have all been very, very familiar with. And for us today to understand that concept, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of that very famous and great theological work, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Y'all familiar with that? comes out every year. Now, y'all remember that very sad, sickly-looking Christmas tree that they had? And there was a single ornament on it that burdened the Christmas tree. And so it weighed it down, and it was hunched over. And in that condition, it had no opportunity to ever properly, properly grow upright and be strong. Well, imagine taking off that ornament. I won't do it with this one because it's a prop. But imagine taking off that ornament. What would have happened to that tree? It would have bounced back resiliently, right? It would have sprung back up upright. And it would have had the opportunity to grow correctly and ultimately reach its potential. Why? Because the tree was relieved of a burden. Well, this idea of relief, of a burden that enabled growth and enabled wellness, it was exactly the idea that Jesus conveyed when he said the word blessed. Jesus taught this next. He said, relieved from your mental and emotional burdens, the opportunity to be made well or blessed are you who are poor. Jesus continued, relieved of your mental and your emotional burdens and the opportunity to be made well or blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who weep now, and blessed are you who are hated. In other words, Jesus taught that no matter your circumstances, my circumstances, whatever happens in the economy, no matter the policies that are put in place or taken away, even if systems of oppression never, ever change, like a burdening ornament that has been removed from your branch and my branch, you and I can still experience relief Luke wanted you and me to be abundantly clear and have certainty in this, that we can still resiliently bounce back upright, grow properly, and be made well. And so the question for us then is how? How might we be made well and relieved of those burdens? Now here's the kicker. The very next line, and so if you're taking notes, this is something to write down, and if you're following along in your Bible, this is something to highlight and to underline and to circle. This next phrase is key to you and to me being made well. Jesus said, you are blessed on this earth, in this life, no matter your circumstances, when you live for the sake of the Son of Man. I want you guys with me 
on the count of three, to read that line. We're going to read that line together. And if you're listening online, I want you to repeat it with us. If you're watching online, you can read it with us just the same. This is critical. If there's anything you take away from this talk, this is probably that one big idea. I want you to internalize this truth. You need to live for the sake of the Son of Man. All right, on the count of three, one, two, three, for the sake of the Son of Man. If that's any indication of what January is going to look like, we're in trouble. All right, so let's, let's pick it up a little bit here, and let's like, try and impress the folks that are watching digitally. All right, so on the count of three, we're going to try that one more time. One, two, three, for the sake of the Son of Man. It is that crucial that we get this. So not only is there hope to be made well on earth in this life starting today because Jesus is the son of man, Jesus said that no matter your circumstances, the way to be relieved of your mental and your emotional burdens is to live for his sake. Now, exactly what does it mean to live for the sake of the son of man? Well, this idea to live for Jesus' Jesus's sake, it's rooted in God's desire for us, in what God wants for and from all of us. So God desires to be praised and to receive glory from everybody. Why? So that all people would turn to him. It would get their attention and they would ultimately put their trust in him and follow their way so that they too can experience life as he intended. This is how God declared it through the prophet Isaiah. He said, I will delay my anger. I will show my mercy, basically is what he's saying, for the sake of my name. And I will restrain myself. I will Show my mercy for your benefit and for my praise. I will act for my own sake, indeed my own, for how can I be defiled? I will not give my glory to another. So to live for Jesus' sake is to live your life so that God gets praise and glory. That is, living for Jesus' sake is to live your life in such a way that every action and every interaction points people to him. It makes his mercy known. And Jesus gave us practical examples as to how we can make known his mercy. He said, I say to you who listen, those who will decide to live for my sake, love only the people who deserve it. Doesn't say that, does it? Love your enemies. Do what is good to those who praise you. Doesn't say that either. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And so you and I live for Jesus' sake and we make Jesus' mercy known when instead of adding your two cents on your Thea's hate-filled social media post, you instead direct message her or you call her and you tell her something good about who she is and how you view her, how God views her. Maybe not how you view her, how God views her. You live for the sake of the Son of Man, for Jesus' sake, and you make known his mercy when instead of wishing harm or failure or even death upon your ex who has hurt you or upon that coworker who's betrayed you or that boss who's withheld from you, then you say something nice. You pray for them. You pray that they have an encounter with Jesus. Because ultimately, one, that's how you're going to change and how they're going to change. It's the Holy Spirit that changes and gives us life. So pray for those people. And then you live for Jesus' sake. And you make his mercy known when you take to your neighbor 
whose yard is plastered in political signs of the opposing party, and you give them a peace treat without the laxatives. And if you really want to love them, you mix in a little feel-good substance, if you know what I'm saying, right? Sugar, feel-good substance, or it makes us... Okay, never mind. And so, according to Jesus, when we do this, when we live for his sake, we will be relieved of our mental and our emotional burdens. We will be made well, not just in a future kingdom to come, but starting today on earth in this life. And now check this. That is not a truth just according to Jesus. Modern science corroborates what Luke said you and I can have certainty in. This is so fascinating. The scientific journal, Child Psychiatry and Human Development, it reported that of studies on the effects of faith on anxiety and depression and substance abuse and suicidality, 92% of researchers, not people who look things up on Wikipedia or watch a TED Talk, people who are in the midst of this kind of work, 92% of them said that there is improved mental health when you live out your faith. The American Journal of Psychiatry, it published a 10-year study of adult children who were more susceptible to depression because they grew up in a household with one or more adults that were depressed. And so it stated that the folks who grew up in a Christian household or who became Christians, people who lived for the sake of the Son of Man, they had a 76% less chance of suffering depression. The Journal of Aging and Health published an eight-year study of older adults that found that being involved in a community that makes Jesus' mercy known, a community kind of like City Tribe, for example, it had protective effects against mood problems and mood disorders. And sadly, the inverse is also true. In a study titled Atheism, Secularity, and Well-Being, sociologist Phil Zuckerman found and I've paraphrased his findings this way. There's a preponderance of studies that indicate secular people, people who don't live for Jesus' sake and have values in a worldview that is of this world, they don't seem to fare as well when it comes to psychological well-being. In fact, of the top 10 nations with the highest rates of suicide, most are relatively secular. They do not live for the sake of the son of man, and maybe this is why Jesus expressed his grief for those who don't live for his sake. He groaned. He said, woe to you. And so even modern science backs up what Jesus taught 2,000 years ago, and it backs up what Luke said that you and I can be certain of. We can be certain of this, that if you want to be made mentally and emotionally well and on a path to healing and peace, if we want to be blessed, we have to live for Jesus' sake. Now, I know some of you who are thinking like me, you're probably saying to yourself, okay, Lee, I appreciate the studies. Pretty good, but it doesn't answer how. Like, how does living for Jesus' sake, very practically speaking, relieve my burdens and make me well? Well, Desiree Linden's story captures the practicality of this promise. So in early 2018, uh, she, by the way, is a long-distance runner. Desiree competed in the Boston Marathon. And at the start of the race, she felt sluggish. She was off to a terrible, terrible start. And as an athlete, that messes with you mentally. I wouldn't know, but 
I'm sure athletes think that way. Athletes are messed up mentally when they're off to a terrible start. And so she was completely unmotivated to continue. And she decided that when there was a really great point for her to exit, she would just drop out of the race. There was no point in continuing. And just moments before she got to a great stopping point, she saw a fellow runner who was struggling. And she decided, okay, you know what? Since I'm not going to win this thing anyway, let me just help this person. And so she offered to help her fellow runner. And she said, if there's anything you need, if you need me to block the wind or anything like that, if you need me to adjust the pacing to help with your rhythm, tell me. I'm here for you. And surprisingly, that decision to run, not for her own sake, but to run for the sake of another, it gave her the physiological and the neurobiological boost that she needed. Shortly after Desiree began to run for the sake of another, she got her legs back up under her. She found her energy again. She was motivated once more. And she not only stayed and finished the race, but Desiree became the first American woman in 33 years to win the Boston Marathon. And in a post-race interview, she said this about the experience, helping her help me. So here's my point with Desiree's story. When Desiree started running for the sake of another, when she ran with purpose, it ignited her passion. When she ran with purpose, it ignited her passion. When Desiree, what Desiree experienced is exactly what Jesus designed you and me to experience when we live for his sake. Here's what I mean. So Luke's traveling companion, Paul, he taught this, that we are his workmanship, his masterpiece. You and I have been intricately designed, intricately created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, to make known his mercy, to bring him praise and to bring him glory, meaning that whether you were an unplanned pregnancy and you've long felt that you were a mistake, or maybe you were given up for adoption or you bounced around the foster care system and you've just long felt like you're unwanted, or maybe you were abused as a child or neglected, and you've just felt worthless. And perhaps you're currently unemployed or underemployed. You're uneducated. You have made some major missteps in your life, and you just feel like you're a complete and utter failure. And whether you're seven or 70, hear me out. You have purpose. Your life has purpose. You were intentionally and intricately created for good works. And you don't have to take an assessment, and you don't have to attend a class to discover what that purpose is. Jesus made it very clear for all of us. All you have to do is simply step into his invitation to live for his sake. Your role and my role on this earth is to make Jesus' mercy known in every action, every interaction, every conversation. And Jesus was so adamant about your purpose and my purpose to make known his mercy that he said this. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. We're not living for this world. If anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Make my mercy known to all the world. Unite them and invite them into my kingdom. Do not divide your brothers and sisters so that I get praise and I get glory. And even more people will begin to live for my sake. Now, think about what this means for you and me. You are invited to participate in the Son of Man's kingdom movement, and this isn't some lame, boring kind of work. We have been charged with fun 
meaningful work. We get to be mercy givers. We get to be peace initiators. We get to be hope breathers. You and I have the privilege of helping people all around the world be put on a path to peace and healing. We are world changers and have the capacity to be so. And in so doing, as more and more people encounter Jesus's mercy, we will, in effect, make this world more merciful and we will bring about healing that everyone so desperately craves right now. Now, I want you to see a visual, visual, visual representation of Jesus's teaching here. Um, for those of you who are listening to the audio only, I've got an easel, and on this easel is a large post-it, and I have drawn a sort of cycle. I'm calling it the Made Well Cycle. It's basically a circle with three components. And the first component of this cycle is your purpose, that you are made for good works. And living out your purpose to make Jesus' mercy known, it takes you to the next portion of this cycle, the pouring out. Like in Desiree's story, when she began to live for the sake of another, you'll experience a physiological boost. Jesus designed us so brilliantly that whenever you and I do what we were created to do, good works, when we initiate peace by blessing people who curse us, when we give mercy by praying for those who mistreat us, we get rewarded with an outpouring of the neurotransmitters, norepinephrine and dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. And this pouring out ultimately, it leads us to the third component in this cycle. Those neurotransmitters are associated with mood and movement and motivation. And so ultimately, you experience a sense of passion and peace. You literally feel relieved mentally and emotionally. We are improved. We are on the path toward healing. And these physiological benefits are partly the pouring out that Jesus promised that we would experience when he said, do not judge. You will not be judged. Do not condemn. You will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be what? Poured into your lap. I know preachers often associate this portion of the teaching with finances and so forth, and I'm not saying it can't be that, but let's consider the entire context of what we talked about in Jesus' teaching today. It's about being mentally and emotionally relieved of the burdens on this earth and our opportunity to be made well in this life. And Jesus promised that we will experience an outpouring of mental and emotional benefits when we live for his sake. It is how he designed us. Purpose, a pouring out, passion, and peace. You do something great for someone, you pray for an enemy, there's a pouring out of those neurotransmitters you experience relief. Now, given the sense of passion and peace that you feel, you'll just be motivated to continue living in this way. And so the more good works we do, the more pouring out there's going to be, the more sense of relief you'll experience. And the cycle continues. Pretty sweet deal, right? Pretty dope design. Seriously. Well, check this. There's so much more to Jesus's promise and his design. So here's the beauty of Jesus's design, this made well cycle. It isn't simply a merry-go-round of sorts that just perpetuates and doesn't go anywhere, and there isn't any progress. This image is simply a top-down view, as if, if you were looking at like a screw, for example, 
or a top-down view of a bolt or a drill, something to that effect. And so for those of you who are listening to the audio, let's change our perspective. Instead of looking at this from a top-down view, let's look at this from the side. And what you will see is that as you live out your purpose and you experience a pouring out and you experience that peace and you continue to do this, there is this sort of drilling down, a fastening into an unshakable foundation. There is movement that is taking place. So it's sort of a screw, it's sort of a bolt, it's sort of a drill that is going into the ground. With each turn, the depth of your wellness increases. And the more securely fastened you are, you will not be shaken. You will grow mentally. You will become more resilient. You will not be shaken by any external forces, no matter what happens. And as if we should be surprised, this strengthening effect is also cooperated by science. The longer you live out this purpose, the more physiological benefits you'll experience. There will be a greater outpouring. So according to the National Institute of Health, stepping into your purpose, giving mercy, doing good works, it's associated with a calming effect on your immune system, such that there's this protective effect on your cognition, right? You're able, able to process things better, and you're able to remember better, and it prevents folks from getting Alzheimer's at slower rates. It reduces your risk of stroke, it reduces your risk of heart attack. And men, when you step into your purpose to do good works and to give mercy, it cuts in half your rate of death by any cause. And this is exactly what Jesus promised. He said, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, who hears my words and acts on them. I'll show you what it's like for somebody to live for my sake. He is like a man who's building a house, who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood came, the river crashed against the house and could not shake it because why? It was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. He never turned the screw. He never turned the bolt. He never fastened himself to a foundation. And the river crashed against it and immediately collapsed. It was not well built. It was not made well. And the destruction of that house thus was great. Y'all think about this. This is how good of a God Jesus is. He knows exactly what we need to be made mentally and emotionally well. This is why he invites you and me to live for his sake. Why? Because it's for our sake. We have to live for his sake for our sake. And this is how you and I are made well on this earth starting today. And so this is how we move forward on the best path in this very pivotal moment in our lives. And so y'all, for the sake of your health, your wellness, for the sake of the world's healing, here's what I'm asking you to join me in doing. I want you with me to commit to taking a daily dose of purpose. Mercy is your medicine. Show mercy, make Jesus' mercy known, and at least once a day, at least once a day, you gotta be intentional, once a day, every single day. I challenge you to seek opportunities. Maybe it's easier for you to just start off in the morning when you're rested and all is well. 
Look for opportunities to make Jesus's mercy known in every action, every interaction, every conversation, every social media post. Consider how you might demonstrate mercy, particularly to difficult people. It doesn't have to be big for it to be purposeful. Even the smallest gesture from that, you will be blessed. So if there's someone you hate being around, you can't stand them. You're annoyed at the sound of their voice or at the thought of their face. If there's somebody who you've had to mute on social media or you're considering muting on social media, consider one thing about that person that is good and give them a compliment, especially when they don't deserve it. If there's someone toward whom you've carried bitterness, commit to daily praying for that person and that person's well-being, that they would step into their purpose, that they would get a pouring out of these physiological benefits, that they would experience peace and passion and relief. If there's tensions that have been high in your home with your children or your spouse, your roommate, I want you to consider one merciful act that you can do every day. Maybe it's make for them the coffee or you do the dishes and you get dinner or instead of the silent treatment and being passive aggressive, you say, I forgive you. I'm ready to put this behind us. Maybe you show mercy by committing to stop complaining and stop yelling about everything. Stop always being right. And instead, start asking questions and listen. Now, whatever you're led to do, for your own sake, your well-being, for the sake of our city, our communities, our country, our world that is in desperate need of healing right now. We've got to live for the sake of the Son of Man. And Lord, that is our prayer. That is our desire that our belief in you would be the spark that ignites a passion that is within us to live for your sake, not just for our own sake, but also for the sake of the world that every knee would bow down and every tongue would confess what has been prophesied. We want everyone to look to you because we know that when we trust in your ways, since your ways are so much higher, it impacts our peace and our well-being, and there is healing. That is what we desire. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agreed said, Amen. Y'all on the cameo, you can have a We're seat. glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.